Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, December 23rd, 2022. I'm Mike Cachavoli. Okay, here we are. We are at, depending on when you're listening to this, I guess if you're listening to this live and you're in the Pacific time zone, this is Christmas Eve Eve still. But if you're listening outside the Pacific time zone, you are in Christmas Eve. So how's that? How's that? Christmas Eve Eve for some people and Christmas Eve for others. We are like on the the uh, the precipice of some weird sci-fi time zone thing going on here where it's Christmas Eve Eve for some people and Christmas Eve for others. Regardless, regardless. We are basically here. We're basically at Christmas. We're at Christmas weekend. Um I was just out at a at a movie and everyone is doing their last minute what is this with this last minute Christmas? people still do last minute christmas shopping i mean if you think about it if you're going to need to buy christmas presents now it's too late to go online you're not going to get them delivered on time so people actually are doing late night last minute christmas shopping still in the year 2022 people are doing this late last minute christmas shopping i don't understand that yeah you go back before the internet i can i got it i used to do it all the time I used to shop on Christmas Eve day, right? So like the day of the 24th, I would shop. But this is before the internet. I mean, you can buy all of this stuff online well ahead of time. Why would you put yourself in the position where you're going to have to shop at the last minute? And what it does, is it makes traffic horrible. You know, here in San Francisco, there's very little foot traffic. There's no real people around, but there are tons of cars. And the traffic this last week has been horrific. And it's basically people just going shopping. They're basically going from their home shopping or their work shopping, or they're going from work to shopping to home. They're not really doing anything in the city, but they're shopping. And it's making the traffic just awful, awful, awful. And yes, I was at a, a, a multiplex theater tonight where there's also a mall, a couple of malls, Target also, and there was just cars everywhere. The parking lot was, was the worst I've ever seen it. People just doing this last-minute shopping. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why? You know, I guess procrastination is hard to break that. So even with the Internet, people say, oh, I'm just going to do it. Some people like doing actual real shopping. I think some people actually like going and actually finding presents, right? Actually going and doing the old fashioned where you could look at the thing and feel it and, and wrap it yourself and all of that stuff. That's kind of been lost. It's been lost. Is it really fun to do online shopping? Is it fun to do that? I don't know. I remember, I, you know, I don't do much Christmas shopping anymore because I don't live in New York anymore where all my family is. So, but when I did live in New York and I would do all my Christmas shopping there, it was just, I just remember it being kind of, kind of hectic. I never really enjoyed it. I, I never had the kind of money where I could just buy like, you know, really incredible presents. I used to do things like, uh, you know, especially when I was like my twenties, I would be, buy things like ties, you know? I'd buy ties for, for the men, and I'd buy perfume for the women. And I thought, this is boring doing this, but that's basically all I could afford was ties and cologne for men and, like, perfume for women. That, that's what I would get. i get all the women I know perfume and all the men ties or cologne. And that would be, like, every year. And i think, oh, this is fucking boring. I could see if you're loaded. If you're loaded, it's great. You can go and buy, like, you know, wealth, you know, presents for two, three grand for people. You can buy the best toys out there. You can buy... You can buy top-notch suits for men. You can do all these wonderful things. You can buy a watch. You can buy a Rolex for your father. 
Most people, I don't think, can do that. I don't think most people can afford that, especially these days. You know, so to me, it was always kind of mundane doing Christmas shopping because it was kind of the same kinds of stuff. I have trouble making a variety out of it. And when I got this guy, I got my father to tie last year. I'll give him, I'll get him cologne this year. You know, it was that kind of stuff. So I don't know. For me, it was never, it was never that exciting. It was exciting as a kid. It was exciting as a kid when you got all the presents. You didn't have to worry about getting presents for anybody, right? When you're really a kid and you just got everything. That, that, that was always fun for me. That was always fun for me. Um, and I guess I was pretty lucky because my father worked on Wall Street. So, you know, it was a decent, it was upper middle class, middle, upper, however you say it, middle class, upper middle. And so I'd get some nice presents, you know. Um, back in the day, of course, I was thinking about this today, especially in the economy we're in. Do, do businesses give bonuses anymore? I mean, how many companies give bonuses anymore? Do they even get bonuses on Wall Street? I don't know. I mean, I don't know anyone that works on Wall Street anymore. But God, when, when my father worked on Wall Street, they would get incredible bonuses. I mean, they would give out, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars of bonuses. We're talking like the 80s, you know, and, and they don't think they do that anymore. I doubt many companies can afford to give out bonuses anymore to employees, especially when you've got, you know, 50, 100 employees. I, I doubt that happens anymore. I guess that's a bygone era of getting big bonuses. So I just wonder, I wonder where we are. I'm in a contemplative mood tonight, if you can tell. I'm in a contemplative mood on this Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve Eve, depending where you are. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because we've got all these economic issues, right? We've got people who can't afford to buy groceries, people who can't afford to buy gas to go to work or maybe to visit their family. Maybe there are people this year who can't even afford to buy the gas to go on those drives. Maybe their maybe their relatives are an hour, two, three hours away, and they can't even afford to do it round trip, right? It's very expensive. And so we're all in this huge deficit, huge deficit, um, right on Christmas. And yet we see another bloated spending bill passing. It's $1.7 trillion spending bill that we know is only going to get people further into debt. It's going to make the recession worse. It's going to make inflation worse next year and beyond. Yet, somehow, I mean, I know it didn't need Republican votes to pass because the Democrats, at least for another week, still have control of the House. So it didn't really need Republican votes to pass. I mean, even if it was 50 in the Senate plus Kamala and just every Democrat in the House, that would have been enough for it to pass. But it just, it, it, it boggles my mind how there were any Republicans who voted for this. You know, um, like Richard Shelby, I know it's his last vote. He was very proud of this last vote. He was very proud of the vote as a Republican in whatever the fuck he is, Alabama, to put people further in debt once he's out of Congress. You know, and then you get Lindsey Graham, who really, I, I can't stand Lindsey Graham, simply because you never know where he stands. So he, he, he does this uh, song and dance for the last month leading up to the, the, the Georgia Senate race with Herschel Walker and Warnock. And he's doing this dance where he had his own website where he was raising money for Herschel Walker, saying, oh, it's so important. It's so important for us to get that Senate 50-50, not 51-49. And then he goes and, and votes with the Democrats. He, he votes for a bill that takes the power out of the hands of the new Congress, his Republican Congress. He says he, it doesn't make sense. He says he needs a Republican Senate. Then he votes with the Democrats. When the Republicans are about to take over the House and they would have had more control if this bill hadn't passed. 
It makes no sense. It, it really shows that maybe he's just full of shit. Maybe Lindsey Graham is just full of shit. How about that? Maybe that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Maybe he wanted, maybe as a white guy from South Carolina, he wanted to really get behind a black candidate. Maybe that's all he wanted to do. Maybe he just wanted to prove he wasn't racist. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? But why go through all that? Why go through all of that fundraising and campaigning for Herschel Walker, saying how important it is to have that voice in the Senate? And then you go and you vote for a spending bill like this that the Democrats wanted to pass quickly before they lost control of the House, taking control away from his own party next year. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like I said, the only sense to be made out of it is that Lindsey Graham is just full of shit. He's a full of shit politician. He's a typical politician who's full of shit. That's the only way I can I can. Maybe someone else has a different answer for me as to why someone like Lindsey Graham would vote for this spending bill. And some of the things in this bill, I don't know if you've read it. That's another thing that's ridiculous about not just this bill, but all bills, but especially passing this bill two days before Christmas in a lame duck session when no one has any time to read it. You see how many pages this thing was? So this is the constant thing with these bills is that no one reads them. The senators who pass these bills don't read them. Sometimes what they'll do, if there's enough time, is they'll give them to their clerks to read and go through and point out things that might be good or bad about them. But none of these senators read this stuff themselves, and especially now. There was no time. It had to be passed before the Christmas holiday. And, and so they didn't read it. But the media does, and the media gets their Cliff Notes versions of what Bill's what this bill has. And this bill has some of the most ridiculous things. Did you see something about $3 million going towards naming a street after Michelle Obama or a bridge or some ridiculous thing? I mean, I'm going to look up exactly what it is. I believe it was three, three and a half million dollars to rename something after Michelle Obama. Now, can you believe this? This is what our money's going. Once again, people seem to not be able to comprehend that when there's a spending bill of $1.7 trillion or when we send $50 billion or whatever it is to Ukraine. That's our money. It's your money. It's my money. You see, it's my money that I don't fucking have. And it's your money that you don't have that's going, that goes towards these bills, that fund these bills. The money doesn't grow on trees. They don't come out of the congressional salaries. They don't come out of the salaries for Lindsey Graham or, or, or any of these other senators that voted for it, like Richard Shelby. It comes out of our pocket. It comes out of our pocket. Omnibus. The omnibus spending bill. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the omnibus spending bill. So it's it's a lot of waste. It's a lot of incredibly wasteful things that Republicans, especially three mil to name a street after Obama, Michelle Obama, things Republicans usually would not even consider voting for. But here we are with 18 Republican senators uh, voting for it. So then it makes you wonder, does it matter who has control? Yeah, we've talked about that it matters when it comes to like hearings, right? And of course, that's all to be seen. There's been a lot promised about hearings. The Republicans actually need a Speaker of the House first, by the way, before they can have hearings, and they don't have one yet. Um, so you wonder, does it really matter? Does it really matter um, who controls Congress anymore? Because the Republicans used to claim they were the party of, 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 they were conservatives, they were fiscal conservatives, right? They didn't like bloated spending bills with a lot of fat pork. And yet, 68-29, it passes, right? 
68-29 it passes in the Senate. With 18, is it 18 or 19? I think 18 Republicans voting for it. Yeah. Uh, Including people that it's kind of surprising, like Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton also comes on and talks about the Democrats spending and and the, the Build Back Better spending that would put us into bigger. He's always talking about, he's talking, talks the right game of not voting for this stuff that puts us in bigger deficits. But then he votes for it. Then he votes for it. So you wonder what's in there. What you have to look at and what we don't know is what's in there for them. In other words, for Lindsey Graham would say, what's in there for South Carolina, right? So there must be stuff in there that they could say, I brought back home in the short term, right? I brought this back home to you. It doesn't matter if the overall bill is terrible. It doesn't matter if it, if it hurts most of the people in the country. They can say, well, this was in, you know, this amount of money was in for South Carolina for the for clean water. or, or So I have to vote for it. So it, it's really confusing sometimes as to why certain people vote for things that you would think logically they would easily, easily vote against. But. It's it's even look thinking about that bill how big it is and that none of these people go through it before they they vote on it. It's even tough to just do a, a decent search. Let's see, if I did a search right now, what's in the omnibus spending bill? Okay, what's in the omnibus bill? Here's what's in the bill. Actually, CNN put out something. Here's what's in the one point seven dollars spending bill. So I can go through this, and it'll make your eyes tear up. Looking at, of course, more aid. Here, here, what's in the bill? Here are the highlights of what's in the bill. More aid for Ukraine. Oh, okay. You see, you see, Mike, search and ye shall find. That's why Lindsey Graham voted for it, because Lindsey Graham hates Russia, loves the Russia hate, loves fueling Russia hate, loves war, loves war. Can't wait to see what kind of... uh, effect that has for him. More aid for Ukraine. The spending bill provide roughly $45 billion. Now understand this. I love how CNN writes this. The spending bill will provide roughly $45 billion to help support Ukraine's efforts to defend itself against Russia's attack. No, uh, there's, there's bias in that wording, is there? No bias. And it doesn't, it, it, it sounds as though, as if you just woke up from a coma, that that's all the money we've given them. It doesn't say how much money we've given them before this. It doesn't say that this will put it over a hundred billion, right? We've already given them about fifty-five billion. So this will put it over a hundred billion. Okay. About nine billion of the funding will go to Ukraine's military to pay for a variety of things, including training, weapons, logistics support. So they still need training? Wait a minute. How far into this conflict are we? That the, the soldiers still need training. Nearly $12 billion would be used to replenish U.S. stocks of equipment sent to Ukraine through presidential drawdown authority. So this is why Lindsey Graham and other Republicans voted for it. Right there, that would get them uh, excited, if you will. Emergency disaster assistance. The bill would appropriate more than $38 billion in emergency funding to help Americans in the West and Southeast affected by recent natural disasters. All right, that's good. But that would not get me to vote for it with all the other things in it. I would want all the other things taken out. You see, this is the problem with these omnibus bills. They have all this stuff in there. And some of it you can say is good, and a lot of it you can say is bad. So the decision you have to make is, are you going to vote for it? 
with all this bad stuff because there's one or two really good things you like. You see? Instead of what they should do, which they never do, of course, is do separate bills for these things. Do separate bills for emergency funding. Do separate bills for the Ukraine. Do separate bills to give Michelle Obama a street. But you see, they don't do that because it's easier for them to pass it this way with all this mishigas in there that they don't read. And one or two things they can highlight for a particular senator or congressperson. Overhaul of the electoral vote counting law. What the hell is that? A, prop, a provision in the legislation aims at making it harder to overturn a certified presidential election. <laughs> what? The first, the first legislative, what is this response to the U.S. Capitol insurrection and then President Donald Trump's campaign to stay in power despite his laws? The, char- the changes would overhaul the 1887 Electoral Count Act, which Trump tried to use to overturn the 2020 election. So here, here's a provision that's based totally on Trump derangement syndrome. 100% on Trump derangement syndrome. That's what that is. Wouldn't be in there. Overhaul of the electoral vote counting law would not be in there if not for Trump derangement syndrome. That is totally a Trump derangement syndrome inspired portion of the bill. Here's, here's more, by the way. Funding for January 6th attack prosecutions. Listen to this. The bill will provide $2.6 billion with a B for U.S. attorneys. More money to lawyers. That's what we need. Lawyers get more money, which would induce include funding efforts to further support prosecutions related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol and domestic terrorism cases. The package also gives $11 billion with a B to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. More money to the FBI, especially after we just found out what they did, the spying, the censorship of Americans. On Twitter, that's important to give the FBI more money. So this is $11 billion to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, including for efforts to investigate extremist violence and domestic terrorism. So what this is, it's $11 billion more for the FBI to do more censorship of Americans. It's $3 billion. Maybe maybe the FBI will throw another billion. Well, not anymore, but they would have thrown another billion Twitter's way. Maybe another couple of million in Yoel Roth's pocket. The funding measures are part of nearly $39 billion. That would be for the Justice Department. So you can see this is all total bullshit. Once again, this is all Trump derangement syndrome-inspired stuff. Hey, retirement savings enhancements. The bill contains new retirement rules that can make it easier for Americans to accumulate retirement. That's a good one. And less costly to withdraw them. Okay, that's good. Here we go. Oh, here's here's another here's another big one. TikTok ban from federal devices. The legislation would ban TikTok from federal government devices. That's huge, right? Huge, 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 huge. Protections for pregnant workers. The bill aims to provide pregnant workers with workplace accommodations, such as additional bathroom breaks, stools, stools, bathroom breaks, stool, oh, stools. Look, listen to me. I'm reading bathroom breaks, and I see the word stool. I'm thinking they're providing shit for them. Stools to sit on, or relief from heavy lifting duties. Needed for healthy pregnancies, it would prevent them from being forced to take leave or losing their jobs, as well as bar employers from denying employment opportunities to women based on their need for reasonable accommodations. Okay, so no, you're pregnant, we don't want you. I thought I thought we had about 85 million of those laws anyway in place, but I guess we need another one. Uh, how, long, how long back do we have to go before someone can get away with not hiring someone because they're pregnant? Long way, right? 
Changes to Medicaid and other health care programs, the spending bill would phase out, would phase out the requirement that prevented states from disenrolling Medicaid recipients as long as the national public health emergency was in effect in exchange for an enhanced federal match. This continuous coverage measure was enacted as part of the COVID-19 relief package passed in March of 2020 and has led to a record 90 million Medicaid enrollees, most of whom may no longer meet the income requirements to qualify. Under the spending bill, states will be able to start evaluating Medicaid enrollees' eligibility and terminating their coverage as of April 1st. The, the redetermination process would take place over the last 12 months. The measure also calls for phasing down the enhanced federal Medicaid funding through December 31st, 2023. Up to 39 million people could lose their Medicaid benefits, according to estimates, but many would be eligible for other coverage. Plus, the package would promote more money for National Institutes of Health. Oh, great. Here we go. More here. Okay, that, that sounded good until you get to this point where it says provide more money for the NIH. So more money for Fauci. That's it. This is more money that would go to Fauci. Well, obviously, he's retiring, but this will go to his, his institute, which, of course, has been so reliable and, com- and, uh, and, and competent and honest over the last three years. Nope. Okay, what else? Let's see. Uh, the funds are intended to speed the development of new therapies, diagnostics, and preventive measures, beefed up health activities, and straighten the nation. Does it say anything here about, like, working out and eating right? I'm not sure. I don't say anything about working out. I don't say anything about not getting fat. I don't say anything about here about money, putting money towards advertisements about obesity, the way they put money towards advertisements on masks and vaccines. I don't don't see that in here. Maybe I'm missing it. Increased support for the military and veterans. The package would fund a 4.6% pay raise for troops. That's good and a 22.4% increase in support for Veteran Administration Medical Care, which provides health services for 7 million veterans. Okay, I'd be a bah humbug if I said no to that, right? Beefing up, oh, oh, maybe maybe this is it. Is this it? Let's see, beefing up nutrition assistance. I don't think so. Let's see. The legislation would establish a permanent nationwide summer EBT program. Now, starting in the summer of 2024, a year and a half from now, According to Share Our Strength, an anti-hunger advocacy group, it will provide families whose children are eligible. No, this is just for food for people who need it. There's nothing to do with obesity. No. Okay. So food stamps and such. Okay. Higher maximum Pell Grant awards. Oh, listen to this. The bill would increase the maximum Pell Grant award by $500 uh, to $7,395 the upcoming school year. Okay. Things are getting more expensive. So the Pell Grant's going up are not a bad idea. Because you get this money, and then you got to put it towards, like, living expenses and books, which are like the average book is like $80 now, even more. That's another thing. We've never spoken about that. These textbooks are incredibly expensive. There needs to be some legislation to restrict the prices of these textbooks because they don't cost that much money to produce. These textbooks are more – these texts – some of these textbooks are more expensive than the original Constitution – if I was to buy the original Constitution, the, the, the paper the original Constitution was written on, it would be cheaper than buying a fucking science textbook. Some of these textbooks, I remember paying like $130 for a textbook. $130. And half the information, of course, as we know, is bullshit. How to pay utility bills. The bill would provide $5 billion for the low-income, what do you say, what is this, uh, obsolete optics. Who's no longer in the room? What is this? It's a spending bill. The spending bill has just passed. If anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, 
people who just came in, people just listening, this is the $1.7 trillion spending bill that just passed with tons of Republican support in the Senate. How to pay utility bills. The bill will provide $5 billion for the low-income home assistance program, combined with the $1 billion contained in the earlier continuation resolution. This will be the largest regular appropriation for the program, according to National Energy Assistance. Okay, whatever, that's fine. Enough in here for like, there's enough stuff in here for 37,000 different bills. So, of course, understand how long it takes to get anything passed in Congress these days. That's what they do. They simply stack everything. Like a bus with many levels, with many different levels on it, right? It's like they, they stack one on top of the other. They stack these things in there. So much in there to get it passed. To get what they want passed without having to do, you know, a million different bills. But it's also done to confuse people. Make no mistake about it. This is all done to confuse people. I guarantee you what I'm doing now. I'm doing more than most of the people who voted for this bill. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, you and I, you and I will now know more about this bill than most of the people who voted for it or against it, for that matter. And that's the problem. These things are so fucking complicated. Additional funding for the U.S. Capitol Police. Once again, we're all paying for this. So this increases the deficit, which is already out of control. Okay. Additional funding for the U.S. Capitol Police. Oh, now they do it. The bill would provide an additional 132 million for the Capitol Police for a total of nearly 735 million. It would allow the department to hire up to 137 sworn officers and 123 support and civilian personnel, bringing the force to a projected level of 2,126 sworn officers and 567 civilians. It would also give two million to provide off-campus security for lawmakers in response to evolving and growing threats. All right, we want our, our senators and our Congress people and everyone in power, everyone in politics, all of our politicians, we want them protected. We do. And yes, the threats are growing. But we had plenty of Capitol Police. It would be nice if the Speaker of the House had arranged for them to be there, if the Speaker of the House had done anything to make sure the Capitol was more secure. It's not like she didn't know that might have happened. You know, well, of course, it's also like she may have wanted it to happen, right? Because if that didn't happen, my God, what would they talk about? What would they talk about? How would they get Trump? How would they try to get Trump to not be able to run again or to hurt his chances of winning again if January 6th didn't happen? If there was enough security, which there was, and that was organized by the Speaker of the House, Maybe January 6th would have never happened. Yes, there would have been protests outside, but maybe they wouldn't have been able to break down those those $2 barriers in about 85 seconds. Maybe that would have been the case, and maybe the Speaker of the House didn't want that. Maybe she wanted exactly what happened to happen. Maybe she had uh, insider knowledge that it would happen as it happened. And she just, well, you know, shit happens, right? And then she can have her daughter there. Just happenstance, have a daughter there to film this happening. Just happen to have the cameras ready to roll and be ready to give you, be ready for her close-up. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille, the close-up where she says, I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to punch him in the nose. Yeah, I don't know. 
Good script writers, huh? Good script writers. More money for child care. The legislation will provide $8 billion for the Child Care and Development Block Grant, a 30% increase in funding. The grant gives financial assistance to low-income families to afford child care. Okay. More resources for children's mental health and for substance abuse. This bill provides more funds to increase access to mental health services for children in schools. Okay, good. Investment in homelessness prevention and affordable housing. Here we go. Here we go. Let's throw more money at homelessness. The legislation will provide $3.6 billion, with a B, for homeless assistance grants, a 13% increase. It would serve more than 1 million people experiencing homelessness. The package also would funnel six points. I guarantee you, like all the other bills that have had this in there, like all the cities like San Francisco have thrown billions and billions of dollars, I guarantee you it won't help one bit and homelessness over the next year or two will get worse. Guaranteed. The package would also funnel nearly $6.4 billion for the Community De- Development Block Grant Formula Program and related local economic. It would provide $1.5 billion for the Home Investment Partnership Program and will lead to the construction of nearly 10,000 new rental. There's nothing here about, about helping people with drug addiction and mental illness. I don't say anything here about drug addiction and mental illness, which is 90% of what causes homelessness. More support for the environment. The pack. Oh, here we go. The package would provide an additional five hundred seventy-six million from the Environmental Protection Agency, bringing its funding up to ten point one billion. Ah, will this ten point one billion? What will this ten point one billion do? It would increase support for enforcement and compliance, as well as clean air, water, and toxic chemical programs. If the years of funding, okay. It would also boost funding for the National Park Service. So, Restoring 500 of 3,000 staff positions lost over the past decade. This would be intended to help the agency handle substance, substantial increase in, in visitation. Once they let visitors come here without, maybe, you know what might help visitation? Here's just an idea. It's just, it, I know it's crazy. Conspiracy, but I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on. How about we drop the vaccine mandate to come in when no other fucking country has? Okay. How about we drop in the mandate, the vaccine mandate to come into this country, which of course most Americans are oblivious that we still have this because they see all these other things dropping by the wayside. They figure, oh no, people don't have to have a vaccine. Yes, you have to have, yes, you have must, if you have a, if you're a foreigner, you have to have, you have to have a vaccine to come in if you're a tourist, not if you're breaking through the border, the southern border, then you don't have to have anything. You can have diphtheria, you can have, uh, you can have tuberculosis, whatever you, you can have anything you want. But if you're traveling, if you're a tourist, let's say coming from Asia or Europe or anywhere else, you have to have a vaccine passport to get in here. Maybe get rid of that. Maybe tourism will come back more. Just a, a crazy thought. Crazy. Just throwing out crazy ideas on this Christmas Eve. Eve. The, plus, the legislation will provide an additional 14% in funding for wildland firefighting. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's what's in the bill. And there's other stuff. The CNN doesn't want to write that three and a half million are there as there for a Michelle Obamaville, Michelle Obama Street. What are we calling it? Michelle Obama Drive? Michelle Obama Way? I don't know. Uh, okay. I wonder if we get, I wonder since it's our money going towards this, I wonder if we get to name it. I wonder if we get to decide if it's a way, a street, a drive, or an avenue. I don't know. What's not in the bill? These are things that are not in the bill, which is interesting. Usually what's not in the bill is what should be in the bill, and what's in the bill shouldn't be in the bill. But now I want you to understand, when I say what's not in this bill, once again, there's more stuff that you can't find on the Internet. Maybe if, maybe if I go to Substack, I can find stuff like the Michelle Obama Street. But CNN 
NBC. They're not going to write about that. They don't want you to know about that. But remember, that's in the bill. Three million to name something after Michelle Obama is definitely in the bill. It passed. It's going to happen. This is what's not in the bill. So that could be in the bill. Enhanced child tax credit. A coalition of Democratic lawmakers and consumer advocates pushed hard to extend at least one provision of the extended child tax credit, which would in effect Last, which went, was in effect last year, thanks to the Democrats' $1.9 trillion American argument, their priority was to make the credit more refundable so more of the lowest-income families can qualify. You could be for that or against it, but I put that in before Michelle Obama land. New cannabis banking rules. What is this? Lawmakers considered including a provision in the spending bill that would make it easier for licensed cannabis businesses to accept credit cards. Why can't they accept credit cards? But it was left. What is this? I don't know. Everyone's writing. Bill and obsolete are writing back and forth. Oh, I see. I see. I get confused with the with this with the with this, the the writing that goes on the bottom of these the messages because I thought oh, obsolete was obsolete was asking me what I'm talking about, but I think obsolete is asking Bill what he's posting. Hey, how about listening to me and stop posting every ten fucking seconds? Just kidding, Bill. You know I like you. Um, let's see. This uh, new cannabis banking rules. Uh, they can't accept credit cards, but it was left out of legislation known as the Safe Banking Act, which previously passed the House. The provision would prohibit federal regulators from taking punitive measures against banks providing services to legitimate. OK, what? Ridiculous. Even though 47 states have legalized some form of marijuana, cannabis remains illegal on the federal level. Why don't you get rid of that then? That means financial institutions providing banking services to cannabis businesses object to criminal. Well, this is idiotic. Just do a separate fucking bit. Just get rid of it. Just do a quick. It should take 10 fucking seconds. Ridiculous. It's still, it's still illegal federally. Even though 47 states is legal. Try to, try to wrap that around your, your, your American minds. COVID-19 response. Lawmakers did not include a White House request for an additional $10 billion in funding for COVID-19. Good. Which should have been aimed at continued access. Good. Fuck. Development of vaccines. Good. 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 That's one good thing. That's not on the bill. FBI headquarters. Oh, God. There was also no final resolution on whether the new FBI headquarters was not San Francisco. A major point of contention as lawmakers from Maryland, namely House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, Push to bring the law enforcement agency into their state. Everyone wants the FBI. Why, wh- who, who wants the FBI? Just give it to whoever wants it. Who wants the FBI in their state? Who cares? And look at the San Francisco Bureau. 80 FBI agents. 80 FBI agents. Think about that. Think about the money being spent. They don't make $10 an hour. I can guarantee you that. Especially the ones in San Francisco. 80 FBI agents censoring Americans on Twitter. So this is no, nothing in the bill about a new FBI headquarters, whatever. Good. How about the Afghan Adjustment Act? Also not included in the spending bill was the Afghan Adjustment Act, which would have helped Afghan allies who run the risk of deportation in the U.S. would have given those evacuees a pathway to lawful permanent residency, whatever. Okay, so as you can see, it's filled with stuff. This isn't even, I, I can't believe this, is, this isn't probably even a tenth of what's in there. These are just highlights that CNN wanted to highlight what if we what if we look up what if we go into deep google and try to find things like that michelle obama street how about like wasteful incredibly wasteful spending in the new bill let's see if there's any anything that we can find about wasteful spending in 
omnibus bill. That would be something you should, you think would be easy to find, right? You think there'd be plenty of people out there who have read through this who would post all the wasteful spending, right? Yeah, let's see. Wasteful. Uh, oh, here it is. Oh, here we go. Oh, good. Good for the, wa- the Washington Examiner, not the Post. Don't get them mixed up. The Washington Examiner. Yeah, 12 woke earmarks. There are a dozen woke earmarks in the omnibus spending bill. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, this is the good stuff. This is the good. Sorry, it took me 35 minutes to get to the good stuff. But here we go. 1.2 million for here. we Okay, this is gonna take me a while. 1.2 million for LGBTQIA plus right there. I, I would say get that out of the fucking bill. Pride centers. Oh, please. And another 1.2 million for support services for DACA recipients uh, helping illegal aliens with uh with taxpayer funds uh, yeah four hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars for the equity institute in rhode island to indoctrinate teachers with anti-racism virtual labs <laughs> this is so absurd hey get those anti-racism virtual labs going that's one thing this country was missing i gotta tell you anti-racism virtual labs one million for zora's house in ohio a co-working and community space for women and gender expansive people <laughs> of color. It, no, if you're just a woman and gender expansive, this isn't gonna, the money's not going to go to you. You got to be a gender expansive person of color. How about a gender expansive person of color who's lesbian or bisexual and under 37? How about that? We might be able to save a couple of hundred thousand, right? Three million for the American LGBTQ. Wait a minute, where's the A? Wait a minute. Oh, this is three million for the American LGBTQ. I guess the the museum is not going to be A plus, just LGBTQ plus. The I and the, the I and the A don't get in the museum. That's something we should understand. This distinction. It's a very big distinction. But there's a three million for the American LGBTQ plus museum. Guess where it is? Nope. Nope. Not San Francisco. No, close. Where is it? Anyone know? New York City. Three million. Okay. Three point. Here we go. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Three, I was I was I was a little off. Not too far off. Three point six million for the Michelle Obama Trail in Georgia. <laughs> the Michelle. Let me guess. It's going to be in uh, Atlanta. Uh, the Mil- Michelle Obama Trail in Georgia. So it's going to be a trail. It's going to, It takes three point six million dollars. Wait, does it cost three point six million dollars to name it, or three point six dollars to pave it? I don't know. Oh, this is. We don't live in an absurd country in a lot of ways. Come on, folks. Uh, three quarters of a million dollars for the LGBT and gender nonconforming housing in Albany. I, I can think of nicer places to put it. Uh, so seven hundred thousand for LGBT and gender nonconforming housing. Once again, you got to be LGBT and gender nonconforming to get in. That's it. Any, anything else, you're not getting in. Oh Lord, two million for the great what? Okay, I want everyone to sit down. Everyone needs to sit down. Don't, don't stand up, and certainly don't don't be putting a a. a glass of water to your mouth 2 million for the great blacks in wax museum in Bo- 
I'm sorry. I can't. The Great Blacks in Wax. I'm not making that up. Don't blame me. It's called The Great Blacks in Wax. The Great <laughs> If you're not a great black, what's who's a great black? Who decides who a great black is? <laughs> so what they don't put in here is the money for the committee to decide who a great black is. If you're not a great black, you don't get in wax. What can I say? Two million for that. And that's going to be in Baltimore for those who want to travel. I'll take, I'll take a trip to the Great Blacks and Wax Museum. All right. I can't take it. 856000 for an LGBTQ. Look at this. Everything's for L- 856000 You would think that... <laughs> You think that being lesbian or gay is a new thing? It's just it's just been discovered. Eight hundred and fifty-six thousand for an LGBT center in New York. They must have eighty-five million LGBT. We have we have them here, and say we have how many do we have here in San Francisco? It's we have a huge one here. How they have to have an LGBT center? So is it a new one or or, or to add to an old one? Seven hundred fifty thousand for the God in heaven. Trans Latin at Coalition to provide workforce development programs and supportive services for transgender and gender nonconforming and intersex TGI immigrant women. <laughs> you and Lindsey Graham votes for this and Shelby votes for this. Oh, boy. And Tom Cotton votes for this. And of course, Mitt Romney votes for this. <laughs> All the others. This is insane. Oh, my God. For this one, for this money, you got to be transgender or gender nonconforming and intersex TGI immigrant. You got to be immigrant also, although you don't get it. Women in Los Angeles. How do, you, how do you prove all this stuff? How do you prove you're in this these groups? Two million for MLK Labor in Washington, an affiliate of the AFL-CIO that expelled Seattle police officers from union ranks. Okay, I don't know exactly what that is, but that's two million. Not here. A million for the equity incubator. Wait a minute. One million goes towards the equity incubator at the University of Shady Grove. What the hell is that? The equity incubator at the universities at Shady Grove in Maryland. Whatever that is, a million goes towards it. And 791,200, very exact, 791,200. For equitable energy resilience and electric vehicle infrastructure in Sonoma, California. No, not anywhere but Sonoma. Only in Sonoma, California. They get 800000 almost for equitable energy resilience and EV infrastructure. That's 800000 that you might as well shit down the toilet. Just throw it down the toilet and flush it. It'll go to similar. It'll go to probably better use than this. Ugh. These types of woke projects have no place in the federal budget. No kidding. House Republicans could have banned the corrupt practice of earmarking, but the GOP agreed to keep the pork money going with a 50. So they even on this particular. Oh, I say last month, last month in November, the GOP agreed to keep the pork money flowing with a 58, 52, 158, 158. Okay. So most of even the GOP, want to keep this stuff going simply because there are a lot of districts where people can congressmen and women can bring stuff back right they can say i got you two million for the for the whack museum the black wax right i got that see that black wax museum you go to that's me they want to be able to say this to get reelected. 
The earmarks in this omnibus spending bill should be a wake-up call to the dangers of allowing earmarks back into Congress's appropriations process. So this idea of earmarks being in the appropriations progress is is a uh, keyword shady. Yes, very shady. Is obviously garbage. This is this is just this is this is almost like a, an alternate. Once again, we talk about alternate reality. We talk about satire. If the Babylon Bee wrote this, they could write this as satire. They could talk about two million dollars going to a black wax museum, and it would it would pass as satire. But no, 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 my loved ones, it's not satire. It's real. This is real. And we're going to go into debt for, you know, it's funny to laugh at this stuff, but it's not funny to laugh at the debt it's going to continue to accrue and cause. It's not funny when it comes to making the inflation rise again. It's not funny. It's not funny. But it's just, it's what this. It's part of what this country. It, it's part of what people hate about politicians, right? It's part of what people hate about the the process, our political process, and the process of getting bills passed in this country. And the idea, God forbid, that it should be about a very specific thing: funding to Ukraine, a bill, right? Funding to the Black Wax Museum, a bill. But of course, if there was just a bill for funding to the Black Wax Museum. I use that, of course, as one example of many. It wouldn't pass, but they can shove it, shove it into a bill like this and get it passed because if I'm in office and I'm in Congress, if I'm in the House or in the Senate, I'm looking through this and I go, wow, my constituents will love this one. Okay, my constituents will love that one. Then I'm going to go, I'm going to vote for it. I'm going to vote for it, Right. Because I can say I brought this back. This is something I've done. When I'm running for re-election, I can say that project, I got that done for you. This money, you wanted it, and I got it brought back to you. Yeah, there's a black wax museum. Yeah, there's all these LGBT money waste on these LGBTQ garbage, uh, on, on transgender nonsense. But so what? I got these things done for you, so I can live with all that. But we can't live with all that, because this is a constant barrage, you know, that that of money that we don't have. It's money like we don't have. You know what this is like? This is like if you don't have a pot to piss in and yet you you know you decide you're gonna buy a new cell phone, right? You have a pot to piss in, yet you're gonna go buy that watch, that 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 Apple watch or something. And it's like it's ridiculous. You don't have the money to spend it. And not only do you not have the money to spend, but you have the money to spend on frivolous shit. And yet you're doing it. And you're putting yourself further, in the end, further into deficit. And this is what this is doing. This is putting us all further into deficit, into a debt, into uh, increasing inflation. And there's no reason why this should have been rushed through right before Christmas, when especially the House is changing hands. Might be a different story if the House wasn't changing hands in 10 days, but the House is changing hands in 10 days. And so this should never have been pushed through, never. So, all right, how many Republicans were in the 50? So the majority of Republicans in the Senate vote against it, but still 18% is, 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 is 18 of them is ridiculous. With the names of Lindsey Graham and Shelby and Cotton. Once again, all because it will help them. They believe it'll help them win re-election, right? 
It doesn't matter that it hurts mankind, if you will. It doesn't matter that it hurts the masses. And of course, all the Democrats, but they were expected to vote for this crap. I mean, if you... Yeah, and some of the stuff I've highlighted, if you want to read uh, if you, the Heritage Foundation. Um, oh, you see, this is, this is an old one. This is from March. But this is the bill they've wanted to pass for a very long time. It really is. It's a bill they've wanted to pass for a very long time. And so, once again, a big part of it is more money to the Ukraine. That's a big part of this $1.7 trillion. What, about 49, $45 billion of it is going towards giving more money... I, putting more money in, in, in Zelensky's pocket. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, that is what happens on Christmas Eve in Washington. That's what happens on Christmas Eve in Washington. And of course, Democrats will call this a victory. Well, it is a victory for them because they love to spend. They love to spend. They love to spend and to get us into more and more debt. And then blame other people, right? Who are they blaming? Who's Biden Democrats blaming? They're blaming the world, right? They're blaming COVID. They're blaming the world. They say it's happening all around the world. Uh, so they're not responsible for it. But they are responsible for it because they push this shit. This is what leads to it. It's Once again, it's their policies. It's their policies. It's them. They've done it. It was you, Charlie. It was you, Biden. It was you, Biden. It was you, Joe. It was you, Joe. They are doing it. They are the reason. They can blame everyone else. They can blame the world. They can blame the weather. They can blame a disease. It's not. It's them. It's, it's, it's pushing and spending crap like this. But luckily, if you do go on the Internet, there's one. And, and, and this goes back. If you go on the Internet now, you look at omnibus spending bills. There's, there are articles going back 10 years, 2014. All these spending bills, all these omnibus spending bills have an incredible amount of pork in them. An incredible amount of pork. But they'll never outlaw these bills, like I said, because it benefits them. At one time or another, it's going to benefit a particular senator or congressperson. So they're not going to vote to take it out. They're not going to vote to stop this stuff. They're just not. Well, Trump is right. Trump called the spending bill a disaster. Every single Republican should vote no, and that was before 18 of them voted yes. He's absolutely right. This is from Trump. Every single Republican should vote no on the ludicrous, unacceptable $1.7 trillion spending bill. It's a disaster for our country, and it also happens to be a disaster for the Republican Party because they could stop it. He accused Biden and the radical Democrats of trying to ram through this monstrosity in the dark of night when no one has even had a chance to read over 4,000 pages. Donald is 100% right. 4,000. Think about that. 4,000 pages. And they passed it in the blink of an eye. No one read any of that. He said it was packed with left-wing disasters and special interest sellouts. Exactly what I just read. Now, it provides $1.9 billion for border management to process migrants entering the country. But all that does is make it easier for them to enter the country. In other words, process them quicker. So when Biden lies and says, oh, the Republicans are not giving us money, letting us put more money towards immigration. They're not, we want to put more money towards the border. They're not talking about closing the border. They're not talking about putting money towards a wall. They're talking about money towards making it easier to process people, to get them through processing quicker. 
He was referring to language not only was built as to, yeah, it's incredible. Incredible. And a real leader, like which McConnell is not, a real Senate minority leader would have been able to whip off, whip off en- enough, would have not allowed 18 people. If he had any kind of influence or power, he wouldn't have allowed 18 of senators in his party to vote for this crap. McConnell's totally ineffectual. Incredible. Incredible. And this is more of the same when it comes to reporting, when it comes to either journalism. Once again, you really have to look deep to find this stuff. Most of the people who watch TV will not see any of that stuff I told you about. Uh, The only reason I knew about Michelle Obama is because of Fox. That's it. You will not find that on CNN. Like I said, the original Washington Post story, the the, the CNN story I read had nothing about that, right? Nothing about $4 million million going towards Michelle Obama trail. And they'll do what they usually do. They just eliminate. They just omit what they don't want people to know, right? They simply omit what they don't want people to know. And it continues with bills like this. You have to do a little bit of investigation, but that little bit of investigation I just did along with you. I hadn't done this before the show, if you can't tell. I just did it live right now for the first time, just looked at it, just went online and searched and found this stuff. But most people won't do what I just did. Hope I've enlightened you. Most people would not do what I just did. Take the five minutes just to go through and find out the crap that's in this bill. And so we get spin, right? There'll be Paul, the Biden administration will say, this is a huge win. Look at what I've done. Biden will include this in one of his uh, quote unquote victories, right? He'll include this with the other crap bill that passed that raised inflation as one of his victories, as one of his accomplishments, when we know it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. What has he accomplished in two years? Two huge spending bills, right? Two huge spending bills, that's it. Two two bills that will hurt us in the long run, that will hurt America, that will hurt the economy, that will cause inflation to go up. That's what he's done. But most people don't know that. Most people think that's that's Republican spin, right? That's conspiracy theory spin. All you have to do is do what I did and spend five minutes searching. But most people don't take that amount of time. They will watch CNN. They'll watch NBC, MSNBC. And when you go to that, when you go, when you spend some time, maybe over the holidays with your left wing friends and you talk about four million dollars to Michelle Obama trail, they won't believe you. They'll say, where'd you hear that? I haven't heard that. Because the legacy media is not telling them that. When they talk about all this money, well, they might even, I don't know how many of them, how many left-wingers will like $4 million now going towards Michelle Obama trail, but a lot of them won't mind all these millions and billions going towards these LGBTQ plus transgender fluid immigration immigrants, wax museum, black wax museum. Some of them will believe that's fine. The woke, the real woke, the ultra woke will love that woke shit. They'll think it's enlightening. Oh, it's in, we're enlightened now. We're an enlightened country. But even some of them, I should give a little bit of credit, some of them might think that's ridiculous. Some of them might think it's too much. Some of them might think it's just not the time. It, You know, you might say it's a time when you got a lot of money, right? When you got a lot of money, you could spend it, right? You got a lot of money, you could just throw it away. We don't have a lot of money right now. It's the worst time to have a bill like this. And the more you read about it, the more you hate it. 
which is why the bill's 4,000 pages and not four pages. Because if it was four pages, it'd be easy for everyone just to go online and read it, right? 4,000 pages, even the senators aren't doing it, so you're not going to do it. The people aren't going to do it. And it's an incredible waste of money. It's an incredible waste of our money. I mean, this is our money, folks. How about the money to the NIH? That one really sticks in my craw. Does anything, does anything of that bill stick in your craw? I mean, really stick in your craw. Is there one thing in particular that you hate the most about it? If you want to call in, I can stop talking for a while. Um, I knew I'd be talking a lot on this show because it's a Christmas Eve. Now, even in the Pacific time zone, it's becoming a Christmas Eve show, not a Christmas Eve Eve show. And people are, people are ready to party. People are ready to have a good time. You know, people are ready to spend time with their family and friends. But if there's anything that really sticks in your craw about this bill that you want to purge, call in. Or if you have, or remember I said you can call in and talk about your favorite Christmas movie or Christmas whatever. You can do that too. We can lighten it up if you want. We can lighten this up. Bill, always good to hear from you, Bill. Mer- Merry, Merry Christmas. Hey, Mike. Hey. Merry Christmas a few hours ago. Merry Christmas. Um, yeah. Well, here's a question I have. Why is it, I mean, as a heterosexual male, I'm not wearing my sexuality on my sleeve, needing to make sure everybody knows it. Do you follow me? I do not understand all this movement from, I can't even follow how many letters there are now. You know, it used to be either you're gay or straight, remember? (laughs) Oh, Bill, you're pining for the good old days. Fighting for the good old days. It used to be either gay, straight, and then maybe a little bit of bi. That's a little bit of bi. Although bi is just really a combination of gay and straight, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, nobody cared. You know what I mean? As long as you weren't harming kids, who cared? I didn't. I don't care. You know what I mean? And I don't need to know it. Most real, <laughs> even even most conservatives didn't care. You know, right. except maybe the ultra ultra wacko religious ones. But most most conservatives never cared about that stuff. So this. I don't know how to say about all this. It's, it's first of all, it's a destruction of the family unit. You know what I mean? And traditional values altogether and somehow justified. And I don't, I mean, listen, whatever wants to do with their life. But when, what happens here is it sets it up for the children who are very, you know, impressionable. Do you follow me? To, it mixes them up. You know what I mean? It's all, bizarre right well this is the the, the point the point that bothers so many people now and also many people with who who can think straight if you will pardon the pun in the gay community is that there's this indoctrination now yes of of this indoctrination of pushing whatever you want to push on children right whatever you want to push on innocent children and nothing should be sex at all sex education there's a reason why you don't learn sex education when you're in kindergarten right exactly (laughs) there was a time for that i don't i don't remember the year I learned about it, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like freshman high school. Does that sound right to you? Like maybe freshman high school. I think that's when I really, when we had, I had my first sex education. I don't even think I did in middle school. I think it was maybe ninth or 10th grade when I had my, all right, that, then that becomes appropriate at that time. If you want to look, I know we're in 2023 now. If you think, okay, kids are getting enlightened at younger ages. All right. We can negotiate. We can talk about eighth grade, ninth grade, but they're, they're talking about kindergarten, first grade, second grade, teaching some of this stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I agree. And that's totally what's really agree. turning a lot of people off. That's what's turning a lot of yeah. people who previously may have considered themselves enlightened or, or, or 
or more liberal off like me is that this this pushing of this stuff on children and making us all look bad in the process you know it's just it's just it it's 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 sick it really is in a lot of ways it's sick and, and we saw during covid adults pushing their neuroses on children right that was yeah. a big problem during covid it's adults pushing their own fears and anxieties and neuroses and obsessive compulsive disorders and hypochondria on young mm. children and making them suffer the most for it. And that's got to stop. Yeah, I agree. And that's a good segue into the COVID. The, the, the idea of, I don't know what to say about all this. Uh, there's something called the SPARS, S-P-A-R-S, uh, 2025-2028 what, what they they have this all laid out again you know what i mean For between 25 2025 and 2028 expectation of another virus kind of like they did um uh event 201 how they laid it out like what would happen if kind of thing so they're, they're expecting wait a minute they're they're expecting another one in the century virus in 3 years 2 years is that this is John Hopkins. If you go to John Hopkins University, mm-hmm. it's 2025 to 2028. This is they have what they call it. It's like 77 pages um, uh, plan for another. Yeah, another virus that there's no medication for. They, they name the name the product they'll use is called VMAX. You know, it's all tabletop, you know, and uh, there'll be a new vaccine. I mean, yeah, they, they, this is. This is it. I, 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 it's crazy. I, well, we better I, hope. Uh, we better hope that Ron DeSantis is president. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, we better hope that January twentieth, twenty twenty-five, uh, Ron DeSantis or someone of his ilk is being sworn in. If that's going to happen during that during this, that term, because we cannot. Of course, we can't. Ha- we we couldn't deal with a Democrat running things again. We'd be in trouble if Joe Biden was still president, wouldn't we? Well, you got to keep in mind he's just a. And he, he's just a puppet. He's not running anything. I mean, he's, a spokes, he's an actor, a spokesperson. I mean, when he was Senator Biden, he may have had some influence what was being uh, yeah. enacted and introducing bills and things. But Did you see the video going around Twitter? It might be going around other, other platforms also that they, this person edited in him with his hands on, on Zelensky's shoulders, sniffing his neck as he's giving the speech. it's it's so it's so well done these people are so brilliant with these things nowadays it's it's it's, see it looks like he's actually doing this looks like he's actually smelling Zelensky's hair as he talks (laughs) (laughs) i mean he might as well he might as well have been right he basically was (laughs) you know you know or you want to be more vulgar if i had the ability to edit like that i'd have i'd have biden on his knees (laughs) Kneeling in front of right, right. That's what I would have. Much more vulgar version. But uh no, it, it's true though. I mean it's we're in deep shit. If that actually happens in twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six, and we still have a Democrat as president. Because they've already they've already served notice of the same stuff again, right? Yeah, well, you gotta remember this is all originating where at the World Economic Forum, really, the right. the the think tank they have there, but that's a, a bunch of non-government organizations, and you know I, that's what I was in the live chat punching some stuff in. I, you know, first, before we jump over there, I wanted to comment on the Michelle Obama trail or whatever. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
it strikes, it reminds me of the Obama library. Why do they have to build things to sort of, uh, I don't know, idolize themselves? Do you follow me? It's like, seriously. Well, they'll say other people are doing it, you know, and they can't stop them. Other, other people want to love me. What can I do? Right. You know, but of course it's bullshit. It's all idol. It's all idolization of people we shouldn't be idolizing. I mean, so what? She was a first lady. Who cares? Yeah. Even if he was a good president, which he wasn't, who cares? I mean, it's it's, right. it's ridiculous. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't agree to a Nancy Reagan trail. I wouldn't agree to right. anything. It's, it's 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 bullshit. But the question yeah. is, Bill. The more important question is, where are you going to go for your first vacation? To the Black Wax Museum in Baltimore, or to the Michelle Obama Trail in Georgia? <laughs> well, I you know it's touchy. I I can see mm, where. People want to recognize, you know, you know, the black leaders. No, no, the great. It's called the. Wait a minute, it's right. It's called the Great Black, the Great Blacks Wax Museum. So I want to know who decides who is a great black who should be put in wax. I first of all, I find those wax museums very creepy. Okay. (laughs) I don't care if it's great blacks, unknown blacks, great whites. I don't care. I find them all celebrities. The ones. The Tussauds, I find them all, I find them very creepy. I think, you know what I think of? Obviously, I think of a Vincent Price movie, right? It was a whack museum. Yeah. I think of them coming to life and coming to life and, and taking over. Very, very frightening. So. We spend a lot of money on stuff that I do not understand as a culture, but it is what it is. I, I don't know what else to say about that. I think, uh, there's a function for, you know, education on some level, you know, but with, first of all, we, we need to start with, you know, providing good education in schools. The, the, the wax museum is, you know, secondary tertiary where kids can go and learn about this. How about right in their own school setting, you know, improving education and, and teach them things they really can use in life. You know what I mean? That, but even with the wax museum stuff, you're talking about like tour guides taking kids through them and saying, "Okay, this person's this." Person. You're getting the, right. the, the the whacked out woke left version of who those people are, right? Is there is there is there, is there is Christopher Columbus still in the wax museum? Would you find Christopher Columbus? <laughs> would you find Christopher Columbus in a wax museum? And even if you did find Christopher Columbus in a wax museum, would the tour guide go and say, "This is the great Christopher Columbus who discovered America"? Of course not. Not anymore. So it's, even with that, you're getting a skewed lefty version of what you consider education, right? So uh, I'm, I'm not sure a wax museum is going to educate anybody. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I think uh, we got a lot of other things we need to focus on. But if we're going to talk budgets and bloated budgets, we we can't talk about, without talking about the U.S. military budget. You know what I mean? The, the, no, I know. I know. We talk yeah, about that a lot, right? Yeah, we talk about that a lot. The military, and, and often the pork is put into all these yes. different omnibus budgets. The military pork is put into all these yeah. budgets. But once again, forty-five billion to Ukraine, That's forty-five crazy. billion more to Ukraine. It's and, you know, and, and these crazy whacked-out people are really talking about Ukraine winning. Okay, let, let Bill. I know you like to talk about this. Let, let's live in a fancy world where Ukraine defeats Russia. It's not happening. But let, let's live in that world. Then what happens? What happens? Is Putin is Putin uh, taken out of power? Is he replaced? Who by by who? Alexander Ovechkin? Who who who, who replaces Vladimir Putin? Then who decides? What what happens in a world in a fantasy world where where Ukraine defeats Russia? 
Well, the whole idea, from what I understand, uh, Hillary Clinton came out and she said the whole idea was to create a new Afghanistan for Russia, where we drain them of the resources by fighting them, you know, and uh, weaken their government. And eventually, uh, the whole plan is to try and overturn, uh, uh, get Putin out of office somehow, and 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 by by creating this conflict and making it so expensive and such a drain that the people would turn on Putin. Do you follow me? Yes. And um, she flat out, I remember where I heard her, but she said they created a new Afghanistan. And that was, that was a disaster for us too. I mean, this, this idea of trying to outspend one another and uh, the, this is not sustainable. You know what I mean? It's killing not. us. It's killing them. It doesn't make any sense. The whole thing's absolute madness. Absolutely you know what not I mean? Sustainable. You're right. 100. percent is not not sustainable. There's nothing sustainable about it. Yeah. You know, it's so, it's not. It's not. Once again, this is all really used as as incredible as virtue signaling. You know, it's it's all it's just it's just more virtue signaling. But it's virtue signaling with an end that's going to be very bad for many people. You know, it really is. I mean, these people can feel good all they want and pat themselves on their back with their fake caring about things that they don't really care mm. about. You know, they make them look good, supposedly, in the eye of, 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 ignora- of ignoramuses. But in the end, it's just going to hurt more people than it's going to help. Just like these bills, man. I mean, we're going to be paying. Our kid- Once again, this is a cliche, but it's true. Our children will be paying for it, not children's children. And remember, remember, people said that 60, 70 years ago. And people said, oh, please. And that's exactly what's happened, right? And it'll continue to happen. Well, there's a ton of money spent um, to maintain the rules-based international order, you know, and and that which is the Western hegemony and um, NATO expansion. Um, but that's not sustainable either. Look what it's when if we're, our military budget is that of the next twelve countries combined, including combined. the superpowers. Pretty much, yeah, absolutely. And, we can't maintain our country that way. The outsourcing of uh, manufacturing uh, has left so many uh, sacrifice zones, uh, cities, uh, with people all the way from Maine to Vermont to Bridgeport to Pittsburgh, you name it, uh, just, uh, you know, Mississippi, uh, Flint, um, people without economic opportunity you know and uh, um that's a downward spiral for that's the end you know of a democracy in, in, in time because crime increases um people be, get involved with opiate problems and uh you know um give an example when i, I was working for a company shaw environmental and I worked from Northern Cal, Southern Cal to New England, and uh, I was up in Lawrence, Mass, on a cleanup site. And I met a bunch of guys and uh, got to know them, and we were going to uh, Al-Anon meetings. And I, I'm like, none of them had a job because it was all textile mill country, and all those textile mills were closed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was literally nothing for them to do. I mean, they're in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, uh, um, there were no, I mean, there, how can I put it? It was, 
it was not a concentrated city area. And so there was like a couple small markets around or grocery stores. Like, I mean, like enough to sustain the people left there, but there was no work for anybody to, to, to get into and, and, and develop. And especially now the same thing for the young people. And this is obviously Chris Hedges writes about this in the farewell tour, you know, that in his book, um, this is the end of, of, of America. It's, it's not it, because the, the plan from the World Economic Forum and, and, uh, and the manufacturers, there's no borders for, for these countries and uh, companies. I mean, in other words, they'll move wherever it's the cheapest to build, where there's least environmental and labor regulations, i.e., you know, that's why we had all the, you know, from, from, Remember Ross Perot with NAFTA, NAFTA, right? A giant sucking sound to Mexico, to Asia. And this is the death of America. I don't know what else. I don't really see any progress here. I think it's so pervasive. I don't want to sound like a downer for the holidays, but um, everybody's living with this. If, if we're not talking about it, when, you know, what did Twain say? Uh, denial, it ain't just a river in Egypt. You know what right. I mean, Mike? I agree. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. No, oh. it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's in a situation where people don't, but people can't connect the dots in this country either. They can't, they don't connect the dots and you can't expect the media to connect the dots for them. But when they're talking about this kind of a spending bill leading towards more economic woes in the years ahead, people can't connect those dots. You know what I'm saying? They can't connect. The, it's almost like I, I think about like um, since I'm a big sports fan, I'll think about a, a, a baseball team and a trade that was made maybe five years ago that was really bad. But uh, maybe a couple of trades, maybe two or three trades had been made over the last few years that were really bad and has led the team to be not so good. Often people don't remember. They don't remember what happened three, four years ago. They remember, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that deal was a bad deal, and we're still paying for that now. And that's what happens in politics and life also. What happens now, the deals that are made now will cause the pain in the future. And even though we don't experience that pain, because people don't experience that pain right away, right, the minute it happens, uh -huh. they, don't, they forget a year down the line. They forget three or four years down the line. Like I said, you can look on Google now about – I'm bad omnibus spending bills. Put those words in or put in pork omnibus spending bills. And uh -huh. stories will come up from spending bills from eight, nine, ten years ago. Sure. Right? Yeah. And we're paying for that now. And we'll be paying for this one in the next few years. So but people don't connect the dots, man. This is why they can get away with this stuff. People just simply forget very short attention span. I like to say a lot of people in this country have the attention span of a gnat. And they get away with this stuff because and, and this is what they say to themselves. Oh, people won't remember this three years from now. And they're right. They won't. They won't. And could there be another well, bad bill next year or the year after? So, well, you make a good point. The bills, you know, I, I knew a woman, uh, Kim Rose, who uh, was a Milford House of Representatives. And she became, I became friends with her. She, I was having some issues I was trying to deal with, as you know, and uh, for disability housing or, or, or just programs that her and I were talking about. And she, she looked at me, she says, you know what, Bill? She goes, I got to apologize to you. She goes, I want you to know something. We don't write the bills. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know that. She says, the lawyers write them. I said, you mean the lobbyists? She goes, yeah. And so when you get a bill like that, 4,000 pages, like you said, these senators, they, those bills are written by the lobbyists, frankly. 
you know, for the, for the, they're financing these puppets that are in office. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they they got them on a string, you know, and they write the bills and all the puppets do is sign off and vote for it. And it's this recycling of, uh, between K street, you know what I mean? And the government offices and we see this even you, you know what I mean? Or a military industrial congressional com- complex. It's, there's no delineation just to go back and forth, you know, they go back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not middle America. Well, 63% of small businesses during this whole COVID thing has closed permanently. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, of course the big box stores and, that like the Waltons, Walmart, and Bezos, the, the, they increased, you know, their market share, of course, as a right. smaller business closed. And it's not coming back, you see. So it's a dystopian. I, I mean, I know it's, but seriously, I think there's a very dystopian future for us. And I, I, I'm glad to hear someone like Ron Johnson, you know, fighting back uh, with his roundtable uh, meetings and then DeSantis. And the, we at least there's some glimmer there because, it's, uh, first of all, we talk gain of function and how this ever happened. And they're still doing the game as function because we had the chimeric virus that probably killed 80 percent of the humanized mice. So they're still playing with the viruses. Do you follow me? Absolutely. <laughs> so of course they are. You know? Of course they are. Yeah, of and, course uh, they're playing with the viruses. There's no doubt about it. So they got it planned out for between 2025 and 2028, and uh, it's going to be worse. Remember Bill Gates saying, well, um, he said, uh, I mean, he was talking to Belinda Gates. It was a clip I saw where he was talking about uh, he said, well, the next one will get their attention or something of that nature. They, and they yeah, smiled. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they looked at one another smiling like mm-hmm. this, like, ooh, aren't we You know that moment where they looked at each other and they smiled like, yes, oh, it was yeah. creepy. creepy that was? Oh, it was terribly creepy. They're These creepy people are diabolical. They you are. know what I mean? They are. And this thing, this new thing, and Bill Gates has done this. Someone once said, because I lived in Seattle for a while, right? And they said, oh, you can see Bill Gates. You can't tell the difference between Bill Gates and a homeless person. It's true. And this is this thing. It's this fake. Like, I'm not one to dress up. But I noticed mm. it's kind of a new thing we're seeing, like this 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 fake facade of being a real person. Bill Gates does it all the time, the way he dresses. But look at the mm-hmm. Fetterman, right? Fetterman dressing in jump jogging suits and, and mm-hmm. Zelensky showing up looking like, as, uh, as, as Tucker Carlson so appropriately said, looking like a strip club manager, you know, yeah, he he shows up looking like a strip club manager. And this is like a new thing where it's like, look how real I am. Look how, in other words, these people don't want you to know. They don't want you to believe that they have, of course, Bill Gates, everyone knows he's very wealthy, but the the dressing down makes it not so obvious, right? When you look at him, I think that's the game that Fetterman's play. And of course, Zelensky, who's worth millions and millions, has gotten richer, just like Pelosi's gotten richer in Congress. Zelensky's gotten richer as president and as his country's being so so called destroyed. They don't want you to see that. You know, they want to pretend they're one of the people. They're of the people. And we know it's total bullshit. So I'm getting tired of that shtick, too, which is becoming more common now, which is let's just dress down. Let's just dress down and people will think we're one of them. Well, that's a branding. It's like philanthropy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, we're going to put together these programs as philanthropy. Meanwhile, their their policies and what uh, the bills are getting pushed through, um, 
weakening of the unions, outsourcing, um, everything's about the corporate capture to enrich them. Do you follow me? So they can give a couple mil over here, over there, make it look good. Hey, look, we're beneficent. Meanwhile, they're screwing us. You know, they got the the, the neck, the boots to the neck, sucking the jobs out of this country, and and leaving sacrifice zones everywhere. I mean, you know, um, and I, I what I in a, in a perfect world, we'd overthrow them. Do you follow me? Of and course, just, I understand. Yeah, of course. Right. You know. Yeah, in a perfect world, we don't throw them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there were so many offenses during COVID that in, yeah. in, in normal times, we would like, wouldn't accept that for most countries, right? Right. Uh, well, forget about most, forget about like, Australia, New Zealand. We know that we know, we know defenders, right? Australia, New Zealand, Canada, ourselves, but especially China. You know, when when did anyone in this country, other than a few people, Speak out against what China has done mm. to their citizens over the last three years. We would not accept that from another from most countries, right? We would invade them. We would invade them for those kinds of human rights violations. Or we'd have nothing to do with them. We'd have no trade with them anymore. We'd do something. But during COVID, we did nothing because basically they were doing what we wanted to do. China was doing what politicians like Joe Biden and Tony Fauci would love to have done here if they could. Well, it's interesting that, like I said, China is part of the World Economic Forum, 193 countries, and they're all working together with the World Health Organization. You notice this, you know what I mean? They'll have their own separate vaccine, like the Sputnik in Russia and the one they have in China, but they're all going lockstep with this, these vaccines and the global vaccine passport for the G20 countries. There's no delineation. So, like the, the you know, you just we have the arms race, right? The space race. Now we have the vaccine race too. Is that one of the races now? Like, it's, what happened to natural immunity and good food and uh, you know taking the right uh, supplements if we have a need? Uh, and not to mention, our, our, the way the food is grown today is chemical warfare on our bodies and our environment, and and it leaves it denatured and destroys yeah. our gut bacteria, glyphosates, yeah. the chemicals, the cancer rates are going through the yeah. roof. Every, yeah, yeah, Bill, I, I thank you. I, I wanna, I'm going to let you go because I have to do a couple of film reviews. But the, oh, you, sure. You're leading into it perfectly, and I'll tell you why. That, Bill, have a great weekend. Have a happy holiday. We'll see you next time, next week. When are you going to be on again, Mike? Monday night. Monday night. Okay. Yeah, I'll come on Monday. Thank you. I thought, you know, Monday's a, well, Monday's a fake holiday, right? But by Monday night, I think most people are ready to, uh, you know, get back into it. So Monday night. Yeah. I'll All right. You. Very good. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. No problem. Same to you. Okay. Bye. Yeah, I was deciding, should I take the Monday off? You know, everyone else is taking Monday off, right? But by the time this show airs, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, Tuesday morning, I think by that time, everyone's probably had enough eggnog, right? And is ready to talk a little bit more. But let me just go into my, Bill was talking about eating right. And this leads into the first movie of the weekend. I have two movies. And the first one is called The Whale. And here, but I have to, I have to do this first. We have to, we have to go into our high tech. We have, remember, we're very high tech, big budget here. Huge budget. Talk about money in in, in that spending bill. You're not going to believe how much we spend on this show. Here we go.
Okay, if that doesn't get you in the mood, I don't know what will. I, I, <laughs> that doesn't get you in the mood for movies. Once again, I have to give credit. That's John Williams and the Boston Pops Orchestra. Hooray for Hollywood. A great rendition. A great rendition. Everything John Williams does is great, both with his scores of Steven Spielberg films and everything else he does. Okay. So, God, we always talk about obesity on this. We talk about obesity a lot, right, when it comes to COVID and being healthier and protecting yourself by working out and eating right and taking the right vitamins and how we don't talk about that enough. Well, we have a movie here called The Whale. I'm sure many people have already seen some of the previews of this, and you see uh, Brendan Fraser as this basically, I'd say, we don't never we never get his real weight in the film, but I'd say 500, 600 pounds, morbidly, incredibly obese man who is a teacher. He teaches online and he doesn't want any of his students online to even know what he looks like. So he pretends the camera is broken so they can't see him. They can only hear him. So he teaches an online course. The film takes place, by the way, uh, it's referenced as 2016. It's during the presidential. Sometimes he's watching TV and is the presidential primary of 2016. So that's the time frame for the film. And he's teaching an online course. That's what he does. And he lives by himself in an apartment in a small town, Idaho. And we first see Brendan Fraser. And of course, it's very stark because we know Brendan Fraser from his movies like Jaws, uh, Monsters and uh, Gods and Monsters and, and, and George of the Jungle and Encino Man. And Brendan Fraser was a very athletic, ripped actor when he was in his 20s and 30s. And we haven't seen Brendan Fraser in a while. And that really makes this work even more. Because we remember Brendan Fraser when he's an athletic young actor. We hadn't seen him in a while. And now we're seeing him now. And he's playing this 600-pound. He did not gain any weight, by the way. He didn't gain 400 pounds. It would have been his last film role if he had done that. Um, it's, it's all prosthetics. But it's done so well that it actually it looks, it looks incredibly real. The Whale is based on a play. I don't know how they did this as far as the play goes with the, with the makeup. But obviously, the movie version, when you're talking about close-ups, it's got to be perfect. And it actually looks, I mean, it looks grotesque and off-putting, but it looks like what a 600-pound man would look like. And uh, when we first see him in one of the first scenes, he's basically jerking off to gay porn. He's a gay man. And as we learn more about him as the film goes on, we learn that his, his boyfriend uh, had committed suicide. And that led him to start eating obsessively, obsessively, compulsively eating which led to him being the 600-pound man, who's, as we meet him, the film takes place in the course of basically a week, and it starts with Monday, goes through the week. We see the title cards. It's basically the last week of his life um, as he's dying of congestive, uh, high blood pressure and congestive heart failure, as you would imagine. And the fact that he's resigned to death, he's resigned to dying. He has no hopes for living. He doesn't really want to. He doesn't want to go to the hospital. He doesn't want to lose weight. He doesn't want to put any effort into getting healthy. It's a passive point of no return. Let's put it that way. And he's he's resigned to dying. Um, it's an incredibly claustrophobic film. It, it was done on one set. It's one set, his house, as you can imagine, his apartment. He can't leave it. So it all takes place basically. And there are a couple of scenes that take place on the patio, on the front porch of his apartment. But other than that, 99% of the film is we're in this apartment with him as he eats obsessively compulsively and as he's dying throughout the week getting closer and closer to death sounds very depressing isn't it well in a way it is this is an incredibly raw emotional movie it's it's really not for everyone i think it's the best film of the year i mean it's just it's directed by darren aronofsky who did a film called um, black swan if you've seen that one his first film was uh pie which took place in brooklyn actually not far from where i was born 
Um, but he's done uh, Requiem for a Dream. He did The Wrestler. Remember the one with um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. The Wrestler did that. So Mickey Rourke as an old, you know, washed up wrestler. He's done those films. His films basically are about compulsion and redemption. And this is probably the most raw, emotional, real film he's made about compulsion and redemption. The compulsion here is the compulsion of eating, the compulsion of eating to fill a void of, of a loss. And the redemption is not in his own personal redemption of, of, of getting better. It's reconnecting with a, his daughter. So he did have a, a, a wife early in his life, and he had a daughter. Uh, before he realized he was gay and got involved with a man. And that daughter he hadn't seen in nine years. And the film picks up basically in the last week of his life where he wants to reconnect with his daughter before his death. So it's a, it's a, it's a film of basically, there are basically five actors in the film. The main actors are Brendan Fraser, who plays Charlie, the obese man, Sadie Sink, who plays Ellie, his daughter, Ty Simpkins, who plays Thomas, um, a local kind of, um, uh, uh, Mormon, not the Mormon church, but the an offshoot of the Mormon church who goes door to door trying to help people and redeem them. And of course, he ends up at Charlie's door and he wants to help redeem him also. Say uh, Hong Chow, who plays Liz, who's his caretaker. We learn more about her as the film goes on and their relationship. And Samantha Morton, who plays his ex-wife. And that's basically it. So it's basically five actors, most of it taking place in this very claustrophobic apartment where... Literally, we are there with Brendan Fraser, Charlie, the whole time. We could, act, I mean, it gets to the point where it's so intimate. We can almost, as you can imagine, smell how bad it would smell in an apartment like that. Um, and the intimacy of this film is something I haven't seen in a long time. Just the raw, genuine emotion of this man who wants to have one final redemptive moment in his life that he feels are filled with failures and wrong choices, of course, the worst choice being to do this to himself. And uh, at first, once again, the visuals are off-putting, and Aronofsky doesn't skimp on the visuals. We see him basically often almost naked um, with his huge stomach and, and swollen calves, thighs, and feet. And Fra Brendan Fraser, I've always thought of him as a good actor. I've always liked Brendan Fraser. I thought he was great in Gods and Monsters as the, uh, of the affection, the straight affection of the gay James Whale, played by Ian McKellen in that great film directed by Richard Condon. But here, when you say we give an actor, hard to say stripped down when he's so heavy, but stripped down emotionally. So just a raw emotional performance he gives. The genuine honesty that he brings to this role, he will absolutely win Best Actor. In fact, if he doesn't win Best Actor, it's rigged. It's mail-in votes because he, he deserves Best Actor. And like I say, the film is very intimate, Aronofsky's known for flights of fancy with camera work, with fancy camera work. He really nails, except for one moment at the end of the film, he really nails his camera down, and it's just us in this claustrophobic apartment with this man who's looking for some redemption from his life and really wants to connect with his daughter, who, played by Sadie Sink, hates him, as you can imagine, because he left her when she was eight years old. Um, and she has a lot of reservations about reconnecting with him, and she has her own problems that stem from the loss of her father figure when she was that age. So it's a lot of it takes place between the two of them with conversations um, about reconnecting and being part of his life, at least the last week of his life. So yes, it's on the surface described as a very depressing story, but it, it, and it's a very raw emotional story, but it's also when it comes to Aronofsky's uh, basic principles that he wants to 
themes in his films of obsession and redemption, this is the best so far. He's really grown amazingly. As director, I'm proud to say, from Brooklyn, New York, Darren Aronofsky, his first film, Pie, was, I think, shot on Coney Island, from what I remember, in Brooklyn. Um, and he's made it to this point now where no more fancy camera work, very stripped down emotionally. But he puts the camera in the right spot all the time. Wonderful camera work, great shots. And once again, we feel, as the film goes on, as though we are living in this apartment with this man. And it's the, one of the greatest... I think performances I've seen in a very long time. And just once again, very genuine, honest, emotional film. I recommend it highly, highly. It's not the kind of film you may want to see two or three times, but it's certainly the kind of film you should see at least once. So I, I definitely recommend what I consider the best film of the year. The Whale. Now, to show how different film can be, uh, is Babylon. Babylon is directed by Damien Chazelle, who did Whiplash and La La Land. And this takes place from the mid, basically the mid-20s to the early 30s. It's really about the the days of the of uh, of uh, the Roaring Twenties in Hollywood and the, the, sil the, silence, the silent film era and how that changed in the late 20s and became the talkies and the and the awkward, very difficult transition that Hollywood and actors and filmmakers had to make between the silent films and the talkies. We've seen some films about that. First, the older films have been made about how awkward, you know, the voices didn't match. Women didn't have the, the, the actors and the actors, their voices didn't matter when they were in silent films. They didn't have to have great voices. And we've seen this kind of played around with jokingly in a way where, you know, actors had very squeaky voices and it didn't matter. <laughs> When they were or, or men who didn't have very manly, you know, masculine voices and didn't matter in the talkies as, as the talkies, of course, were more about physical appearance and body language and that kind of thing. Um, maybe the ability to, as the main actress played by Marco Robbie in this film can do cry on cue. That stuff all mattered in the silence. But when it came to the talkies, that stuff took second fiddle to sound and how bringing in sound, not only with actors, but also on a technical level was such an odd, awkward transition to make. And it stars Brad Pitt as a great silent film actor with a great silent film actor named Jack Conrad. Margot Robbie um, playing Nellie Leroy. She's a, uh, a young woman who wants to become a great silent film actress. So when we first meet her, uh, the film opens with an incredibly debaucherous scene that takes place at a producer's house in Hollywood, 1926. And it's what you might expect the Roaring Twenties, what we hope, maybe hope the Roaring Twenties had looked like, which was basically jazz music being played, people fucking in front of people doing cocaine, sex. Once again, people don't realize how the Twenties was so such an enlightened liberal uh, time, sexual openness, more than... Uh, probably more than we've ever seen since then. Maybe the 60s touched on a little bit since then. But the 20s, the Roaring 20s, was a very, very open time sexually in this country. We probably haven't seen a time like that before. And Damien Chazelle really visualizes it as this credible debaucherous party where they bring in a live elephant, where people are having sex and doing coke and dancing and singing and having a great time, just letting everything loose raw emotionally. And the scene opens. It's about a 20-minute scene. It's a fantastic opening to the film, which presents us with this time of when everyone in Hollywood was doing well, when the, when the silent films were, were you know, uh, really hitting their stride, 
when actors like Jack Conway, played by Brad Pitt, were very popular, making a lot of money, had beautiful mansions. So it opens in that time period. And from there, we learn Margot Robbie. She's a young woman who wants to be an actress. Uh, Diego Calva plays Miguel Torres. He's a uh, 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 a young man from uh, formerly from Mexico, a Mexican immigrant, who wants to get into movies also. So these two young people, Manny and, uh, and Nelly, Margot Robbie and Diego Calva, want to be in the movie business. And once again, we live in a time back then where it was maybe a little break. All you needed was a little break. And they both get there at this opening party. They both get their break that gets them into the movie business. And the next scene takes us to a movie set out in the desert in Los Angeles. Once again, 26, not very populated, out in the desert where they were all where they were filming silent movies. And the desert was used as a, a, a huge backlot set for maybe five or six films being made at one time. And because there was no sound, it's, it's, a, it's a total cacophony of things going on, fires and people screaming and yelling and just a, a lot of action screaming. It didn't matter because there was no sound, you see. So Chazelle presents it what it would, what it would look like before the talkies came in before sound came in, where you didn't have to worry about anything other than the visual aspect of it and how important the visuals were, but the sound didn't matter at all. So it's this great, another great scene. Basically, the film is a, is, a, is a series of great set pieces, whether it's the opening scene at the, the mansion, the, 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 the party, or whether it's the next scene, which takes us to the, 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 uh, the desert being used as back lot for all these silent films being made. It's a, it's a bunch of really incredible set pieces there's a lot going on we follow brad pitt and his career we follow the couple we play with we uh we, the young couple uh manny and uh and uh nelly who who uh have a kind of on again off again romantic interest throughout the film and uh we also follow producers and directors and uh and and black jazz musicians uh one uh that we follow pl called sydney palmer uh played by jovan adepo so there are a lot of sub subplots going on here we have the brad pitt plot we have the the Mar the, the margot ravi and diego calva plot and we have the plot also of uh of sydney palmer who's a black jazz musician think about in the late 20s early 30s when he has to also deal with the incredibly talented, but also the racism that was also uh, prominent at that time. There's a lot going on in this film, maybe a little too much going on. Um, but I can only say that as far as a series of set pieces go, Damien Chazelle does a fantastic job of recreating that time in Hollywood and the awkwardness of the transition from the silent period to the, to the sound period, the awkwardness and the fact that they were popular actors such as the one played by Brad Pitt, who were top-notch, top-level actors in the silent film era, that once sound came in, they were forgotten. And it's actually very sad. It's a very sad storyline, uh, the Brad Pitt storyline, because we, we see this guy who's outgoing, who's this great actor, who everyone adores, who's wealthy, who gets job after job after job, made like 80 films, and then the, the talkies hit, and he, he can't, make it anymore he can't make that awkward transition and of course it destroys him it destroys his life and it destroys him and so that's a sad storyline 
And similar things happen. You can look at this almost, I see, as Damien Chazelle's Casino, where Casino was about the old days of Vegas when the mob ran Vegas and how that's changed. And also the same kind of arc where you have the rise. And in this film, the rise, the good times are the 20s and the silent film era. And then the bad times are when the 30s hit and the sound era hits. And then there's, they all take, all these silent film actors take a huge downfall. And so... I think as far as recreating that time and having these these set pieces that he that he's able to with incredible production design, incredible music, incredible camera work, I think it really works. And the film ends in the 50s when, of course, we had the movie musical happening and that became very big, the colorful Technicolor movie musical. So the film really is not about the death of film. It's not. So it doesn't have that overly sentimental feeling of like a bygone time that doesn't exist anymore. It's more about how these early silent film actors pave the way for what we have now. And without them, we wouldn't have what we have now. So it's not a downbeat film. And Chazelle finds the right rhythm and right theme for a film about planting the seeds, people planting the seeds, people we should not forget. He really he shows us people that we don't think about very often and movie lovers like Damien Chazelle, who every film he makes shows what a real movie lover director he is. He loves movies. And it's really kind of like a salute to the early film actors and what they had to go through. Uh, in order to get to where we are now, so it's not about the downfall of film, more about the, the birth of film and some of the tragic stories that resulted from these people who had to go through that transition that, of course, nobody since then has had to go through and has laid the groundwork for all the great films we've seen. And there's even a montage at the end of the film, which puts in some scenes from films in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And now, uh, once again, showing us that these films would not exist if not for these early silent film actors, a great recreation of the time, uh, a time in Hollywood that is not very often depicted in film. And I think fantastic performances, one of the best performances of Brad Pitt's career, Margot Robbie, who gets better and better as she goes along, uh, young Diego Calva, who's great as Miguel Torres, great performances, great set pieces, a lot going on. It's over three hours. The storyline with the, with the black jazz musician, the trumpeter, could have been developed a little bit more. It's kind of underdeveloped. So a lot going on, a lot of incredible visuals, great performances. Maybe a little overloaded, but I think in the end, I think people will enjoy, and I certainly enjoyed, the way Damien Chazelle was able to uh, recreate those times of the silent films and the transition between silent films and, and sound films. And also, also, I think it's just a great love letter to the movies. We're seeing more movies like that these days. And I think it's because of COVID, really, and because people stopped going to the movies. I think it's trying to get people back to the movies. And obviously, a director like Damien Chazelle with... Uh, his visual mastery, you have to see things on the big screen. You can't see this on the small screen. And so I think we're seeing more and more movies now that only work on the big screen and more films about the love of movie making to try to get people back into the movie theater. It seems to be kind of a, this, the Fablemans, a couple of others, Empire of Light. It seems to be a theme this year is the love of movies. And this one, you could tell the director really loves what he does. And that comes through. I think that is the, the guiding theme through all this is you have a director who really loves what he does, understands the craft, understands how we got to this point now and how we wouldn't exist if not for these 
actors and filmmakers in the silent film era. So I, I recommend Babylon. I wouldn't put it as one of the best films of the year. If you're going to decide this weekend between Babylon and and the uh, the Whale, of course, two very different films. Uh, but I would go with the Whale. But Babylon is certainly worth seeing. It's certainly worth seeing. So two recommendations. All right. So hopefully you're going to be spending time with friends and family. But if you have to, you know what I used to do? What I used to do when I lived in New York? I would spend Christmas Day with my family eating. And then at Christmas night, I'd go out with my Jewish friends. And uh, and we go to the movies because Christmas Day is actually a very popular movie going day for people who don't celebrate Christmas, such as Jews. And so I would always see a movie on Christmas night. So that might be something to do. Celebrate Christmas if you celebrate during the day and go see a movie Christmas night out of the whale or or Babylon. Okay. All right. So I am going to do Monday. That'll be the next show. For those of you who don't know, uh, this show airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific. 2 a.m. Eastern is called and let's be heard. I want to thank everyone. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to wish everyone a happy Merry Christmas. It's still legal, I think, to say Merry Christmas. Happy holidays if you don't celebrate Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Have a great weekend. Have a fun weekend. Eat, drink, go to the movies, whatever you're going to do. And uh, try to take the weekend off from, from all the bad news. All right? Um, and that's that. The show is in Let's Be Heard. And I'm Micah Chopoli reminding you that your influence counts.